Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on The Fan of History, Episode 12. Hello everybody, it's Brennan. Last time on The Fan of History, we talked about the very first year of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. What the Assyrians did in their first decade of their empire. Joining me is Dan, The Fan of History. Say hello, Dan. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to go through the different civilizations of the world in 900 BC. Is that the plan, Dan? That's the plan. And we did that for 1000 BC. So my, my plan here is that we do this every 100 years to sort of set the stage for the next shows. But it might be too repetitive. So we need your input if... If you want us to do an 800 BC show as well, when we get there, it might take a bit more than 10 episodes to get to 800. <laughs> but uh, let us know what you think. Right, you can either do that in the comments of uh, either the YouTube channel or what we'd prefer is if you left a comment with a little review on the iTunes. You can also use Facebook or Twitter. Facebook or Twitter, we'll be monitoring it. Yeah, let's talk about the world in 900 BC. Sounds good. Yeah. It's a time when uh, most of our knowledge still comes from pottery. So archaeology tells us more about the world than history does. And history is then recorded history. So only the societies that actually recorded what they did uh, can tell us anything. But, uh, so we will focus a lot on the areas which we actually know something about. But we will try to cover the entire world as well as we can. So if we, if we miss your area where you come from, for example, then probably means that we don't know anything from <laughs> this far back. It's 3,000 years ago after all. So the, 
greatest nation state in the world is definitely the Western Zhou Dynasty in China. It's not called China as far as I know yet. It's just the Western Zhou. Uh, some sources claim that half the world's population uh, lived uh, in the fertile area in China between the rivers. Uh, that world population would be about somewhere between 55 and 60 million people in the world. So that's about the population of California, right? Right. It's, it's considerably smaller than it is now. Yes, and most of them in China, and of the rest of the people, most of them live in Mesopotamia or in Egypt. It is still a dark age of the, at least of the Western world, where the Bronze Age, 400 years before, was there were probably more people living and more the world were more civilized. But we are starting to come out of the dark age. But some people that are still in the Dark Age and never left it and never knew anything else are the horse nomads of the steppes of Russia. So let's begin with them. Uh, we just talked about them on a recent show. Uh, it's the Cimmerians and the Scythians. They are uh, horse lords, horse, horse hordes, <laughs> <laughs> archers on horses uh, riding around on the plains. And they cover enormous areas. Uh, the term Scythian is very vague. The term Cimmerian is a bit more detailed. We'll talk about that when we get to the 8th century BC because they will become very relevant by the end of the 8th century BC. What? Uh, so you, you keep talking about the Sumerians. Yeah. And we keep saying it's not Conan, but I can't, I can't help but think it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help that I used the picture of Conan in the YouTube show. <laughs> All right. So I don't know why uh, Howard used the uh, the term Cimmerian for people uh, living in the far north, and they were not like the Cimmerians at all. No, it doesn't seem like so it they, would fit. they seem more Viking-like. Right. Hmm. Speaking of Europe, yes, it's a dark time for Europe. There were actually civilizations in Europe, like uh, Mycenae and like the Minoans, mm -hmm. but they are all gone. What happened? Uh, the Bronze Age collapse happened, and uh, we'll talk about that one day. But we started at 1000 BC, and it happened in the 12th century BC. Wow. But it's it's a fascinating period. But civilization ended in Europe. Uh, we have some rising peoples here that will become relevant soon. We have the Villanovans in northern Italy. They are entering a non-egalitarian phase. They have been equals, but now we can see that they have nobles and the, the society is getting more advanced. Uh, these people will become the Etruscans and we'll talk a lot more about the Etruscans in this century coming up. The there are a bunch of Latins living on the Palatine Hill, so there is some small settlement that you could call Rome. Mm -hmm. But Rome won't be a part of this narrative until 616 BC. That's a long way away. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, it will. I have a sort of arbitrarily, but I think it is correct, uh, started with Rome's fifth king. Okay. So he will be the, the first historical king because the first few kings of Rome are 
really legendary. One of them marries a fairy, for example. It seems <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we have many fairies in the uh, archaeological record. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Athens claims to be around at the time, and Athens actually survived the Dark Age. Athens did not fall during the Bronze Age collapse, but it might as well have had because the population is reduced by 90%. And this small village called Athens is nothing like the Bronze Age city of Athens or the classical Athens that will come later. But it is the one place in Greece that sort of is the same as it was in the Bronze Age, at least in the same place, right. sharing the same name. Uh, there is almost the Greek Greece is ravaged by the Dark Age, and it's it's the the Dorians caused the Dark Age in Greece by invading from the north, and the Dorians are still rampaging around in Greece and pretty much ending. They to survive in Greece, you had to leave your city and turn to the hills and become a nomad like the Dorians. So Greece is not a nice place to be in, but they will come around. Uh, there's a people called the Phrygians. They, at this time, they control Macedonia. But they will, at some point, and it's very unclear when, move into Turkey. And there they will appear in our narrative uh, with a king you will actually recognize the name of, which is like the one known ruler of the, the Phrygians. But he will be important in the 8th century BC as well. Uh, we also have the Urnfield cultures, and they are the majority of Europe. And it is it used to be the fact that the Urnfield culture was the sort of predecessor of the Celts, mm -hmm. but that is now disputed today. So we'll, we'll return to the Celtic question at the later stage as well. But overall, Europe is nothing at this point. Europe is uh, almost in the Stone Age. Wow. What's going on in the uh, if we move over to the Middle East? Uh, that's where things are going on. There are ancient civilizations in uh, the Middle East, and some states are already two thousand years old, such as Elam and uh, Egypt. The Neo Assyrian Empire started in nine eleven BC, and that that is the most important thing in the Middle East. The Assyrians are led by Adad Nirari II the first warrior king of the empire. And his aim is to retake the Middle Assyrian Empire that was lost to the Assyrians in the 11th century BC. So um, he will be the king until 8, 9, uh, 891 BC. And he's a competent warrior that is uh, conquering every year, going out fighting for the god of war. <laughs> ah, sure. Ah, sure. Uh, I mentioned Egypt then, and Egypt is having a happy time right now. They have been around for thousands of years. And actually, if you look at ancient Egypt history, this is the very end almost. The, there's the old kingdom, the middle kingdom, the new kingdom. They are all gone. And we are in the 22nd dynasty. And in the great length of time that is ancient Egyptian history, this is the third intermediary period which sort of gives you a hint that uh, Egypt is not a great nation, but it's still Egypt, and it's still ruled by pharaohs, mm -hmm. uh, of Libyan pharaohs, weirdly enough. 
but it is also enjoying a period of peace, unity and prosperity and it's slowly falling behind everyone else. Is that something similar that happened with uh, Babylon? It's happening in Egypt now with just falling behind and Babylon fell behind because of violent invasions, uh, mainly by Arameans. Mm -hmm. But this is not what's happening in Egypt. Egypt is sort of having a happy time falling behind. So they are they're living in the good old days. They're trying to pretend that the Bronze Age collapse didn't happen and this is still the new kingdom. Uh, but the main they have so many problems really. And one of the main problems is that we are in the Iron Age now. And iron uh, does not exist in Egypt. Right. So they can't get any iron. They don't realize that oh, our old bronze weapons are not very good anymore. Yeah, you're not going to stand up to being struck <laughs> by an iron sword. <laughs> yes. Uh, it could be uh, overstated how good an iron weapon is compared to this at this time compared to a bronze weapon. But the main advantage of iron over bronze is that iron is really cheap. So if you have iron, you can make a lot of weapons. Whereas finding the tin for the bronze is complicated. So only your elite will really have bronze weapons. And that's why bronze uh, nations often have spears, for example, mm -hmm. because it takes less bronze. Right. But if you have iron deposits, you can make like tons of iron swords and stuff. Uh, the ruler of Egypt is Osorkon the first. Uh, as I said, he's a Libyan. Mm -hmm. He's really rich. His tomb has never been found. And uh, you would think, if you were in Egypt at this time, you would think, oh, this is a great age. <laughs> but it will soon turn into a bloody mess. Yikes. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons for this is Kush. Kush is the area south of Egypt. And Kush is a very complicated place to understand at this time because they have their own culture. But they were conquered by Egypt during the New Kingdom back in the 13th and 14th century BC. And they have been influenced by Egypt. So when they rise again, they will be sort of a copy of Egypt. And maybe they will try to look like a copy of Egypt to be able to conquer Egypt. They did invade Egypt twice in the 10th century BC, but they, it will take some time before Kush really becomes a danger to Egypt. Hmm. All right. And I think when also when you look at Egypt at this stage, they seem to be pretty poor warriors. It's like they don't have... The Assyrians are fighting all the time, right. but the Egyptians are not really fighting anyone. They are so safe there, be, down by the desert, in the, by the Nile, it's like far away from everything, and that will come back to haunt them. <laughs> yeah, if you don't keep up, you will get left behind. Yes. It's funny how, I mean, that that's still the same, it's still the same today. You have... Yeah, there, there's... <laughs> Assyrians are conservative, but Egyptians are like the definitions of conservative. They really want things to go on just like they were before. Wow. And you, you always have all these statues and pyramids and stuff that is already at this stage, mm -hmm. maybe 2,000 years old in some cases, 1,500 for the pyramids. 
So it's like, oh, look at the great times we had before. It can be like that again. All we need to do is to do exactly the same thing all the time. Never change, ever. Yep. Uh, Moving all over the world then to the Zhou dynasty in China, we have... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. King called G. And uh, the capital of the world, the, probably the biggest city in the world, is Fenghao or Haojing. It's the capital. I don't. I haven't found much information about it. I don't know if anything of it is preserved. Mm-hmm. But there is an astronomical event we'll talk about in 899 BC, which dates stuff very well in China as well. So we know that King Yi actually ruled in 900 BC. And dating is often very uncertain. Uh, this period, but right. that's a, a hard date. Uh, problem is that China is very poorly documented, right? Which I find kind of strange, yeah, actually, because they have. Writing. I was about to say they do have writing. I wonder why they didn't. Why there's why it's so hard to find a date or uh, yeah. any kind of historical record. That's crazy. Yes, it might just be me. So if <laughs> if somebody knows more about China, then I would have to listen. Uh, there is uh, King Yi has an uncle called Xiao, mm-hmm. and he has uh, thoughts about succession that we'll get back to. All right. What about um, what was going on over in uh, India? In India, we have uh, some Aryan Iron Age kingdoms, Kuru and Panchala. These are Vedic Aryans, and we are in the Vedic era, so. They practice the Vedic religion, which is a precursor of Hinduism. Okay. And the sources for India are a lot worse than the sources for China. Because uh, the Indians don't learn to write. Uh, they actually had writing in the Mohenjo-Daro culture mm-hmm. way before this. But they have forgotten all about it. <laughs> and they won't learn for 600 years. Wow. Was there some kind of great event that you know of offhand that... It's, uh, this this is infected territory, I'll tell you, still today. Yeah. Because the old model was that the Aryans came from the north and invaded the uh, Mohenjo-Daro culture mm-hmm. and uh, destroyed the civilization. But 
uh, the models are disputed exactly what the Aryans were in India and uh, how they affected population and who is an Aryan, who is not. So that's really sensitive in India today. So, uh, yeah, let's not go further into <laughs> okay, that. Okay, okay. We're stepping on a cultural uh, trap here. <laughs> Yeah, I have discovered, we have done the YouTube show a bit ahead of this, and there are two areas that people will get upset about from this time. I thought that this was a safe time to start discussing history, but uh, anything regarding the Jewish religion at this time is sensitive, (laughs) and anything regarding the Aryan invasion is sensitive. Wow. And also regarding India, then, work is being done today. There, as the population of India is so big, mm-hmm. archaeology has not made a lot of progress in India. But there is work being done right now. So we could know a lot more about India in just uh, 10 years or so. That'd be great, actually. Yeah. it's um, And actually, I thought that by the age of the Buddha in the 550s BC, right we would actually have a lot more information, but uh, that information is also pretty thin. And there's always a thick cover of religion uh, on any historical information we have. Right. Well, I was just trying to think of... Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) I was just thinking, well, you know, you have the Buddha. He was Hindu. And then... Well, never mind. Well... (laughs) We, <laughs> we'll yeah, talk, we'll about, talk about that later. <laughs> much later. Right. Okay. And then, um, I don't know much about it, but, um, what's going on? I think we talked, we touched on it a little bit about the, uh, Lapita culture. The, uh, yes. The seafarers. Yes. They are the second great seafarer nation of the world. They are traveling all over the South Pacific in their small raggedy canoes. <laughs> They don't get to New Zealand. They don't get to Easter Island. But they do get to a lot of places. And that's about all we know about them. Wow. It still fascinates me that what they were able to do with so very little or how much distance they were able to travel. It's incredible. Yes, and how far off they are from anyone else. Right. <laughs> Just found their whole little section of the world. And that, that also applies to the Olmecs in Mexico. This civilization is the only, uh, it's the second major civilization that rises in the New World, mm-hmm. but the first one, the North culture in Peru, they are gone. So uh, the Olmecs still must think that they are all alone in the world, surrounded by barbarians pretty much. Right. And they are way ahead of anyone else nearby. Uh, we talked a lot of them before. They're known for their giant heads, so like two meters high mm-hmm. heads, statues of heads that seems to be old Olmec sheaves. Their religion is centered around jaguars. And it seems that their cities are sort of temple complexes and not real cities. Uh, the main place is uh, La Venta at this point. Right. Anything? Well, you mentioned about it being the second major civilization in the new world um but also weren't the uh what were the mayans doing at this point yeah the mayans they are fascinating because they've been around for quite some time at this point as well but they haven't really gotten anywhere yet so they at really here in 900 bc they are migrating into the lowlands of the yucatan peninsula they are growing beans maize chili peppers and squash 
and they are very close to the Olmecs. So I think it's safe to assume that they are heavily influenced by the Olmecs. Mm-hmm. And we will see this Olmec influence in later Mayan civilization. Because the Mayans will, of course, survive much longer than the Olmecs did. Right. You know, it's kind of funny you're just mentioning what they what they grow. Um, and for those who don't know, I live in Texas. And I will tell you that beans, maize, chili peppers, and squash are still very, very much a part of our daily diet. <laughs> so we still eat these same things. <laughs> I find that I find yep. I find that kind of thing fascinating because we're talking what, another three thousand years distance. Still find it yeah. still find it delicious. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I would love to go back and cover like the agricultural evolution because that's a fascinating time. But let's stay nine hundred BC right. in Peru, mm-hmm. actually very close to the site of the Norte Chico, uh, but. They are, have been gone for a thousand years. So there's a new civilization. And there seems to be no connection to the old one at all. Hmm. And no connection to the Olmecs. But the civilization has risen in Peru called the Shabin. We mentioned them in the 930s episode. Right. And this is, as I said, my favorite society in all of history, pretty much. They are super peaceful. They have no weapons. They have no armies. They have no walls. They are ruled by shaman priests on drugs who have gained their power by being able to transform into jaguars. And they create this beautiful art. And the civilizations nearby, they are like, oh, you are so cool. We want to be like you. And they become like the Shavin gradually. So they are spreading through just being awesome. And uh, yeah, no violence. It's very hard to tell. No writing, sadly. Yeah. Uh, The Olmecs actually had writing, but we can't read it. But the Shavin didn't have writing, so we only have their pictures of uh, drug tools and (laughs) jaguars, but no weapons. That's amazing. It really is. Yeah, Yeah, now I see that I missed a ton of stuff in my notes, so now I'm going to improvise. Sure, go for it. Uh, I mentioned that the Lapita culture was the second great, mm. the second greatest seafarer nation in the world. Yes. And the greatest seafarer nation is, of course, the Phoenicians mm. uh, living in Lebanon. They're a couple of trading cities. And they actually managed to survive the Bronze Age collapse by just hiding behind their walls. So they have been having a golden age ever since uh, the world around them fell because they were dominated by the Hittite Empire and by Egypt. And now they're not. So they have a great time. They're trading with Egypt. They're trading with the Assyrians. They're trading with everybody. They bring stuff in from the Mediterranean that nobody else has. Uh, They uh, earn a lot of money. They have the alphabet. Uh, They have actually probably invented the uh, vocals of the alphabet, something which is usually credited to the Greeks, but it has probably already happened. And it's probably Phoenician in origin as well. Uh, they uh, write everything down on papyrus and they live by the coast so the papyrus is all gone so we know way too little about them it's like uh, that when in the library of alexandria just if i could go back and just maybe just pick up a few scrolls (laughs) just that's all i'm asking (laughs) 
Yeah, oh, the Library of Alexandria. That's another story. Right. Uh, we have in uh, close to the Phoenicians in Syria, we have the Neo-Hittites, sort of the remains of the Hittite Empire, small independent city-states trying to go on. Uh, this whole area was invaded by Arameans in the 11th century BC, but the Neo-Hittites have skill in handling Arameans, so they are assimilating Arameans, and the only other civilization that has succeeded in this is the Assyrians, whereas the Babylonians south of Assyria in southern Iraq today, they are suffering a lot from the Arameans, who tend to like to hang around in the fields and just destroy stuff and take stuff and be chaotic. So uh, Babylon is in quite a bad shape. Uh, we have uh, to the east of Babylon, we have Elam. I talked about it before on the show, mm -hmm. but it's uh, quite mysterious. Very ancient, probably older than Babylonia. And at some point ruled by women. Uh, this is a people that has no... Uh, no shared origin with, origin with any other people that we know of, and their language is unique, and we cannot read it. So it's it's pretty mysterious. But Elam will become a major power player in this story at some point. To the north of Elam is the Sagros Mountains and northern Iran, which is quite a mountainous area. And there are barbaric tribes there of Iranian, uh, of uh, Aryan origin, such as the Persians, the Medes, the Manians, and people like that. And they are kept in check at this point. They are not very powerful, but they will have their time in the sun as well. Uh, so what did I miss now? Hmm. We have the Bantu and the Khoisan in Africa. Uh, North America, almost, uh, yeah, there are Indian cultures, but uh, the only interesting one is really Poverty Point. Right. We talked about in the 930s episode. And that's about it for the world of 900 BC. And you will notice a giant change when we do the world in 800 BC, because we know a lot more about 800 BC than we know about 900 BC. All right. Which is kind of strange, actually. I didn't think that when I started this. But, and if you look at 700 BC, we know a ton. Right. <laughs> so the sources very quickly get better. Again, it's this whole... The whole thing is fascinating. That's why we're even doing the podcast. But just the fact that, you know, geologically speaking, it's just a blink. But our knowledge of everything is, you know, exponentially greater. It's impressive. Yeah, they will come um, only in the 8th century we will see people that we could like almost get to know because there are letters and stuff preserved. <laughs> so you get like personal thoughts of right. some of the Assyrian kings. That's, stuff like that. That's fantastic. Alright folks, well that does it for this episode. Why don't you join us next time for the 900s BC we'll pick back up um, Adad Nirari II faces a new... That's the 890s. Oh, 890s, right? yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Let me start over. I'll cut that out. Alright, that about does it now for this episode. Join us next time for the 890s BC. We're going to talk about Adad Nirari II as he faces a new Babylonian king. Also, versus the Temanites. 
A new Chinese scar wants to banish Simba. Oh no, not Simba. <laughs> Can the Neo-Assyrian Empire survive the death of its first ruler? If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.